0: Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to be here tonight. I pray, Father, that you would do an amazing work in all of our hearts and lives. I pray as we dig into these two verses, Lord, that you would do what only you can do. I pray that each and every one of us would leave here different than what we were when we came in, Father, and that in that, you would receive all the glory, honor, and praise. Father, we thank you for the privilege to hear from your word. I thank you for the privilege to preach your word and I thank you for the honor, Father, that we can gather together and sing praises to your name and be encouraged by one another. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And you may be seated. A lot of times when we encounter a portion of scripture like this, it is very easy for us to think of someone that fits these characteristics or these qualifications in a negative way for example no one wants to be a Diotrophies. but we are definitely okay being like Gaius we have spent two weeks the last two weeks talking about Gaius and by the way Gaius lived in a God glorifying way when we would think about Gaius we would think about someone who was desiring with everything in them to live for the glory of God But lo and behold, we now come across an individual who the opposite could be set up. And hopefully no one in the room lines up perfectly with all of the things that Diotrephes is guilty of doing within the church. But if we are to be honest as Christians, there's a little bit probably of Diotrephes in all of our lives. That is something that Diotrephes was doing that we have in our lives Or let's be really honest that we all have the capacity of doing and therefore when we go through a portion of scripture like this we should ask God to reveal to us if there is anything in our hearts at all that is reflective of this. That we would repent of it, enjoy his great grace and live to put that sin to death in our life. Now because I had brought up Gaius earlier, we wanna talk about Diotrephes from this point of view, that he is the opposite of Gaius. That is, he is not walking according to the word of God. We see at the beginning of this book that Gaius was complimented by John for walking in accordance to the word of God and this isn't just something that Gaius should have done this is something that anyone who claims the name of Christ should strive to do and yet Diotrephes was not striving to walk according to the word. We also see with theotrophies that he was not loving according to the word of God. And we as Christians have an obligation to love as we have been loved. And by the way, you can't love as a Christian as you have been called to love unless you've truly experienced the love of God. Because the kind of love that we are to give to one another is the kind of love that God has given to us. And then last week we talked about Gaius being generous. And we do not see this generosity in Diotrephes' life. And in fact, we see selfishness. We do not see someone who wants to give, but instead we see someone who wants to receive. If there was one sentence to describe Diotrephes, it is this. He was on a power trip. And whether we understand it or not, we all as Christians, again, have the capacity and unfortunately can fall into the trap of walking in a power trip. See, Diotrephes is attempting to gain influence not by godliness, but instead by destroying people's trust in godly leaders so that he can get his way. And I want you guys to hear that because in leadership, we can influence greatly by living according to God's word. For example, most theologians feel that Diotrephes was probably an elder in the church. And something we talked about On Sunday and have talked about on previous Sundays an elder has qualifications that is certain things that an elder should have in their life when they stand up before a congregation and say I want to be an example to you of what it is to live for Jesus Christ so if Diotrephes is an elder he is forsaking the call of being an example and instead living for himself as opposed to living for Christ in his glory. And why is that? Simply for the sake of power and control. And this is why any of us go from patient Christ exalting lifestyle to manipulation and sin in trying to get our way. And ultimately, we do this because we do not trust God. It is a problem of faith. When we go to manipulation or when we go to sin to get our way, we are trusting in manipulation and sin instead of trusting in the providence of God and God's will by doing things according to his will. And Diotrephes was not guilty of doing things according to God's will. Instead, he was guilty of doing things according to Diotrephes' will. So there's a few accusations that we see that John is making towards Diotrephes, and the first one is found in verse nine. He says this, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. So the first accusation against Diotrephes was, he was putting himself first. So the first thing that we have to address is, what should be first? Because if Diotrephes is not supposed to be first, and I'm going to assume that Gaius is not supposed to be first, I'm going to assume the Apostle John is not going to be first, so the question is, what should be first? Answer, Christ. The church exists to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. The church does not exist to exalt the name of Pastor Jeremy. It does not exist to exalt the name of Jake McElfresh. It does not exist to exalt the name of the greeter that you came across when you walked in here tonight. It does not exist to exalt the name of Legacy Community Church. No, the church exists to exalt the name of Christ. And even if you're not setting out to exalt yourself, if you're setting out to exalt anything but Christ, you're not living according to the Word of God. And for a lot of us in the room, you're like, I'm not trying to exalt me. But that's not the question. The question is, are you desiring to exalt Christ? And not just within the church, but in your life, because Diotrephes desire to put himself first. And what's so interesting about this is that everyone in the world, in the flesh, who are in their sin desire to do the exact same thing. That is, we all want to be first. We all want to be made much of. We all want to be the most important piece of the puzzle. We all want to be exalted. And so that means there's a battle to face. There's a war to be waged. And that is a war to wage against the temptation to exalt self. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 and 27, we had turned there on Sunday, so I'm not going to turn there tonight. But I want to remind us a little bit of what is said in that portion of Scripture. And one of the first things that we see is that greatness in the Christian economy is found in servanthood, not in taking power. And I don't know that we can be reminded enough as Christians that we have called to serve, not be served. So when we come into a place like this, we should desire to serve the Lord, not be served. We should desire to make his name great, not to be seen or to be acknowledged or to be made much of, because everything in us desires these kinds of things. See, Jesus gives us the example, as we see in this portion of Scripture, that he came to serve and laid down his life to glorify God. And that should be a daily endeavor for every single one of us in Christ. I want to get up out of bed, and I want to start off my day with a prayer like this. God, would you help me to serve everyone that I come across? And when I'm offended, when life is hard, when things don't go the way that I think they should go, God, will you give me the ability to lay down my life? You might be saying, well, what does it mean to lay down your life in those situations? Answer, to not make life about you. See, I'm sure in this church that Diotrephes was a part of, and in most churches during this era, being a Christian was not an easy thing. And when life gets hard, one of the things that fulfills the flesh is for someone to make it about us. And so we have to understand that if life is going to get hard, which, by the way, for anyone who's desiring to live for Christ, life is going to get hard, there's going to be a temptation to not lay down my life, but instead to be made much of. And as Christ has given us this example, we have been called to do the same. If you want to mark in your Bibles here in 3 John, I would encourage you to turn with me over to 1 Peter, which is just a few pages back. In 1 Peter chapter 5, I want us to consider verses 5 and 6 as we consider this idea that Diotrephes love to put himself first. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, we see a familiar phrase that we'll see in another portion of Scripture as well, but this is how it starts. It says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, including the elders, with humility toward one another. Why? Answer, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There is never a time when God is for the proud. That's important for us to embrace. He's always against the proud, but where God gives his grace is to the one who is humble. He goes on to say this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. So the exaltation is never by me exalting myself, but instead, God exalts us at the proper time. When do we want exalted? Always. And by the way, always is not the proper time. And in fact, what is in your best interest is to leave yourself in the hands of God, trusting him that he actually knows what's best in your life. And that's one of the most difficult things for us to do. And like many of us, struggled with the humility of trusting God's timing in life. If you would turn with me to Proverbs, we're going to look at a few texts there before we go back to 3 John. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 27, and we're going to start in verse 2. In Proverbs chapter 27, and in verse 2. If you underline, highlight, or circle, I would encourage you to circle this verse or highlight it or underline it because it is one I go to regularly as a human being who struggles with pride. And this is what it says in Proverbs 27 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. By the way, that's tough. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger in not your own lips. Why is this hard for us as people? Because we don't get praised near as much as we think we ought. We don't get acknowledged near as much as we believe that we should be acknowledged. See, these are the kind of little things that lead to the kind of accusation that John has made against Diotrephes. That is, he likes to put himself first. No one sets out to put themselves first. But what all of us set out to do every day is to be exalted, to be made much of, to be seen, to be noticed. And if people are not performing at the rate that we think they ought to and acknowledging what it is that we've been doing, then it is very common practice for us to use our own mouths to exalt ourselves if others are not going to do it. If you would also flip over in most Bibles on the page to your left, in Proverbs chapter 25 starting in verse 27 it says this, It is not good to eat much honey. Why? Because eating too much of it will make you sick. Then he says this, Nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Why? Because doing it will make you sick. Specifically spiritually sick. Emotionally sick. And even in some situations, physically sick, because people aren't acknowledging what you're doing. One of the leading causes of depression in so many people's lives is not receiving the glory they think they deserve. And in that, it can lead to us being sick. goes on to say this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. By the way, that's not a good condition for a city to be in. And in the same way, it is not a good condition for you to be in to be without self-control. What is amazing about this is, through the Holy Spirit, we actually can practice self-control. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. That is, we in Christ have the ability to practice the kind of self-control that we do not need everyone to make everything all about us. So just like Diotrephes struggled with this, we struggle with it. But it is something we must put to death. So accusation number one, Diotrephes likes to put himself first. Let's continue reading back in Third John verse 9. The second part of verse 9 says this, and he also does not acknowledge our authority. Problem number two, he does not acknowledge the authority of godly leaders like John, and he does not obviously honor or respect the authority of God's word. See, we all struggle with this as well. There are things about this book that we love, and there are things about this book that we hate. There are things that we love doing, and there are things that we simply wish the Bible did not command us to do, because we have no interest in doing it. See, whether we realize it or not, God graces us with men who will, week after week, and sometimes twice a week for some of you, tell you a whole lot of things that in your flesh you do not want to hear. And yet God has given us authority And by the way, the authority I have is not because I have a title like elder or pastor. The reason I have authority is because I give you this. Because this is what is authoritative. And in the same way, Diotrephes did not want the Bible to be authoritative. He wanted to be authoritative. He did not want the Apostle John to have the power in the situation. Diotrephes wanted to have the power in the situation, and it led to this accusation, which, by the way, is incredibly severe, because disregarding authority is incredibly detrimental for us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it tells us that God has given us leaders in the church to obey and submit to. Well, what are we obeying and submitting to? Just them in general? No, we're submitting to them, sharing the word of God with us, and then us walking in accordance to it. And what is interesting about this is that it tells us that the elders or the leaders of the church are someday going to stand in account for the way that they shepherded you or the way that they gave you the truth of God's word. And then he goes on in this verse to tell us to not be resistant to this or make the elders' lives hard by not submitting to the word of God because that's not good for you and that's not good for them. This was not good for Diotrephes, and it was not good for the church for him to resist authority. And in the same way, it is not good for you, and it is not good for me, that a congregation would resist the authority of God's Word and resist what is being proclaimed to them. Why is that? Because the desire to resist is a desire called sin, and the wages of sin is death. We are raising a generation, and Unfortunately, one has already been raised before us that absolutely disregards authority at all costs. It used to be that if a child came home and said, my teacher was mean to me, that the parent would give the teacher the benefit of the doubt. There used to be a day that if someone was offended by the pastor, the person they were sharing it with would give the pastor the benefit of the doubt. There used to be a day that when a police officer was accused of doing something, the culture would give them the benefit of the doubt. But those days are gone. And in fact, we live in a culture where people are guilty until proven innocent. Even those who are in authority. Why? Because so often we are like deatrophies. Because if there is authority and I am sinning, I'm in big trouble. But if there isn't authority and I'm sinning, who cares? And so in this, we have to understand that authority is a grace of God given to us, specifically authority that operates according to his word, as a means that God uses to keep us from sinning because sinning leads to death. And so God in his grace gives us authority to keep us from sinning so we may live. But Diotrephes was not interested He wanted to resist that authority because he believed his wisdom was greater than God's. In James chapter 4, if you'll flip over with me again, not real far from the text that we are in. But in James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says this. And again, you're going to see another familiar phrase. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says this. But he gives more grace. That's exciting. Anytime I see an offer of more grace, I should get excited as a Christian. Tell me how. Answer, how do I experience more of God's grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Another call to humility. And then instantly goes to this statement, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. The most important act of humility you will ever make in your life is to submit yourself to God. Not submit yourself to government, that's not the most important. Not submit yourself to your local pastor, not the most important. Not to submit yourself even to your parents, not most important. What's amazing is when we submit ourselves to God, we're going to do all of those things in the way that God has called us to do them. But if we do not submit ourselves to God, we have no interest in any other submission because if you're not going to bow for God, you're not going to bow for anyone else unless you become again like Diotrephes and make everything all about you. I'll listen to anybody that will make it about me. you going to make it about me, I'll go along for the ride. But you're going to make it about God, I'm in big trouble. Because naturally in the flesh, I have no interest in doing that. But because of the grace of God at work in my life, now that I have humbled myself, by the way, anybody who is truly saved, you have humbled yourself before Almighty God. But it doesn't stop there. You continue to humble yourself every day because you've got to submit yourself, therefore, to God every single day. Why? So that I can do the next step. Let's resist the devil. There is no resisting of the devil without submission to God. What does that mean? Satan just runs you over because you're weak. You cannot resist Satan without submitting yourself to God. Not one person. Satan is more powerful than you. Good news. Christ is a billion times, a billion times more powerful than Satan, or as they would say in our culture, Jesus doesn't sweat Satan. He is not concerned. Satan does nothing without the permission of God. But do not forget that that is not you. Diotrephes believed Satan did nothing without the permission of Diotrephes. At least he acted that way. And so many of us trust in ourselves, our own strength. We don't want to submit to God, we want to be able to resist the devil on our own and watch him flee. So the first step, if you want to battle sin well, is to submit to God. What does it look like to submit to God? To say, God, I can do nothing apart from you. Nothing. I can do literally nothing apart from you. That is the kind of humility that we have been called to. You want to walk in victory by the way, the victory that has been bought for you by the blood of Christ? Submit to God. Submit to him every day. Because if not, you'll end up resisting God and submitting to the devil. I want you guys to hear that. You end up resisting God and submitting to the devil just like Diotrephes was doing. Resisting that God-given, that blessed gift of authority, namely in God's word that he's given to each and every one of us who are in Christ and the means, by the way, that he uses to draw men and women to Christ to humble themselves at the feet of the cross. If you would turn with me to one more portion of Scripture before going back to 3 John is in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. Word of the Lord says this, Giving thanks always and for everything. Where does that thankfulness go to? To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to stop there. This is the attitude that helps you do the next sentence. Unthankful people never want to submit to anyone, especially the word of God. Because if you're not thankful, you have to understand something about your heart condition, whether you're diatrophies or whether you're sitting in this room tonight. If I'm not thankful, that means I also don't believe that God is always good. I don't have to be thankful for difficulty, but I need to be thankful to the God who is sovereign over the difficulty. That is, there's a purpose in it. Every single thing that we go through in life, there is a purpose, and that's why submitting to God is so important because when you're going through difficult times, if you're not submitting to God, you're not going to be thankful in the midst of those difficulties. He goes on to say this, submitting to one another, reason, Out of reverence for Christ. So when you submit to anyone that God has called you to submit to or anything like His Word, it is not to exalt His Word above Christ. It is not to exalt positions like government or parents or pastors above Christ. It is out of reverence for Christ that we submit to those authorities. Well, what does that mean? It's because I respect God and I understand that God is not for the proud. And in fact, as we talked about a minute ago, he is against the proud. And so when you refuse to submit to the things that God has given us to submit to, out of reverence for Christ, you are then opposing God's will in your life. And by the way, there is no one who opposes God's will that wins. There's no winning in opposing God's will. And that's why it's important for us to always be willing to submit to one another and to any other authority out of reverence for Christ. And by the way, the next verses all the way through, Ephesians 6-9, gives us the explanation of what it looks like to submit inside of the Christian economy, and that's your homework to do for another time. So now turn back with me to 3 John, verse 10, and we'll keep on reading accusations that John is making towards Diotrephes. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing. Next accusation. Talking wicked nonsense against us. Wicked nonsense nonsense against us. This is what we know for sure that Diotrephes was doing. He had no interest in building up his brother in Christ. It was wicked nonsense. He wanted to tear people down. He wanted to make them look bad so that he could look good. That sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Anytime we sin, we have an instinct to make the other person involved in the situation look worse than us. Because we always want somebody else to be more guilty than us in a situation. This is what we instantly do. So Diotrephes, if he is in Christ, which is questionable, but if he is in Christ, we see that he has known that he has sinned, and yet his defense To that is not repentance, it's to talk wicked nonsense about John. I want us to pause here for a moment because we make a fuss, and we should by the way, about the damage that false teaching does to a church. But we also need to make a fuss about not living for the glory of God, specifically as a leader, but in general as Christians because that is also dangerous to the church. It is dangerous to have false teaching, and it is dangerous to have false confessions that say I have submitted to Christ, and yet I still live in my sin. That is, I do whatever I want. Namely, in this context, talking wicked nonsense against brothers in Christ. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, which we won't flip over there, but we will be flipping back to Proverbs. But in Exodus chapter 20, we see that we are commanded something in the Ten Commandments it is to not bear false witness about our brother or sister. Why is that important? Because again, when I've been caught in something, I want to at least exaggerate something so that someone else looks worse. And in many situations, I actually bear false witness. And I want you to hear what the word of the Lord has to say about people who bear false witness or breathe out lies. And so we will start in Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. I want you to hear these powerful words. There are six things that the Lord hates. Okay? If you see this sentence, highlight it, circle it, and underline it, because you probably shouldn't do these things. These should probably be at the bottom of the list of things to do. Then he says this. seven that are an abomination to him. Again, not something you want to involve yourself in. If it's an abomination to God, avoid it at all costs. What's unfortunate is Diotrephes has been guilty of doing something that God hates and is an abomination to him. Let's go down to verse 19. A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. That is an abomination to God. And God doesn't just hate the sin in this situation. Because again, go back to the beginning, verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. He hates a false witness who breathes out lies. Not just simply being a false witness and breathing out lies. He hates the one who does it. That's how severe this is. God is not messing around with the words that come out of our mouth. And nor was John messing around with Diotrephes talking wicked nonsense. What does he say? When I get there, I'm addressing this. Why is that important? Because sowing discord among brothers changes the whole reason that we're gathering. Why are we here? To exalt Christ. You sow discord. Guess what's not happening? The exaltation of Christ. And what you're doing in sowing discord is you're actually setting up people against each other, people trying to decide who's right and who's wrong, and all of a sudden we're making it about us and we're not making it about Him. And that's why the Word of God is so beautifully clear on how we're supposed to have or deal with sin in the church. You're supposed to go to that person and share with them how they have sinned against you. Why? Why? so that you're not sowing discord among the church. And in fact, in Titus chapter 3, for a person who continues to do this, they are no longer welcome in the fellowship because of how destructive sowing discord is. There is no reason at all to assume that someone is in in Christ or a Christian that makes a habit of stirring up division. People should never participate in divisions that are not based on the Word of God. I want you to get that. We should participate in divisions that are based on the Word of God. If someone is speaking wicked nonsense against God's Word, and someone is speaking truth, we do participate in that. We say truth over wicked nonsense. But we do it in gentleness and love and grace and kindness. But we do take stands in those situations. But so often, discord is stirred up in churches over someone wanting to be in control and get their way, not over Christ being exalted, because dealing with sin in the biblical proper way exalts the name of Jesus Christ. So talking wicked nonsense, a very severe accusation. Then he goes on to say this in Third John. And not content with that. So he's not content with just simply talking wicked nonsense. He refuses to welcome the brothers. Now these are the exact same brothers that Gaius was welcoming and making sure they had everything they needed. But Diotrephes was not participating in that. And in fact, he was going against the very things that we see in the word of God that we've been commanded to do. So we're going to stop at 1 John chapter 4 verses 20 and 21 and then we're going to look at a few verses in First John chapter 3 so in First John chapter 4 verse 20 it says this if anyone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar just want to pause there I want to say this again if anyone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And I want us to go back and consider the verse before that. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. That is, if I've experienced the love of God, I need to fight for a sound-mindedness to be able to love those that are around me, even when they are difficult. See, something I don't want anybody to be mistaken for here, John's actions towards theotrophies is love. It's grace. Why? Because he's calling him out for his unrepentant, lifestyle-like sin, where he keeps doing these things over and over and over again because he wants to exalt himself and not God. See, this is what we have all been called to do in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, by this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And then the challenge. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So who as Christians are we to lay down our lives for? The brothers, the sisters in Christ. That's who we've been called to lay our lives down for. The world is, by the way, going to benefit from this. But if you call yourself a Christian and don't love the bride of Christ, and you love the world instead, you've got it backwards. See, we love the world best by loving the bride of Christ. People who claim to be Christians and hate the church should not claim to be Christians. Because of what the Word of God says. Not because of what I say, but because of what the Word of God says. Because it tells us if we cannot love our brother who we do see. And by the way, it doesn't say our brothers who are perfect. Because there aren't any of those. We have to love our brothers who are imperfect because we have been loved as we were imperfect by the love of God. So the kind of love I'm giving is the kind of love I've received, and Diotrephes is not doing this. He claims to be a Christian, but he is not loving in the way that he has been loved. He is not meeting the needs of his brothers. And then it says this in verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, this is Diotrephes, How does God's love abide in him? Then he says this, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. I can claim to love all of you, but that's cheap if my deeds do not back that up. I can tell my wife every day, I love you, but if I treat her like garbage, those words do not overcome my behavior. And in the same way, you can tell your brothers and sisters in Christ, I love you, but do your deeds back that up? Because we, as Christians, have been called to lay down our lives for the brothers. Why? Not so our brothers are exalted, but so that Christ is exalted, because that's what Christ did. And so we're exalting Christ by acting like Christ, and we only can act like Christ because of what Christ has done in our life. And so because of that, he receives all the glory. One more accusation. He says this, And he also stops those who want to help the brothers. So not only is Diotrephes not helping the brothers, he's getting in in the way of those who desire to, and then he puts them out of the church. I think Diotrephes has forgotten some very important scriptures in the Old Testament, and I'd like to give you two to consider here tonight. And they're both on your notes. The first one is found in Proverbs 17, 13, and it says this, If anyone returns evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. Just think about that. If anyone returns evil for good, by the way, Diotrephes is doing this. These men are doing good to the church that Diotrephes is in, and they're doing good for the kingdom of God. We talked about it last week. These are men who have been sent out to start churches, to do missionary work, to live for the glory of God. And what is Diotrephes doing? These men might be getting in the way of me being as important as I want to be, so I'm not sure I want to welcome them into the church. And in fact, not only do I not want to welcome them into the church, I don't want to give them anything on their way through, and anyone who would dare love them, I don't want them in my fellowship anymore. This is a definition of if anyone returns evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. See, even if Diotrephes is saved, he cannot enjoy this salvation that he has been given because of the way that he is living his life. There are so many Christians that do not enjoy the grace and mercy and love and peace and on and on and on of God because they let sin run rampant in their life. And Christ died that we would not. I want to encourage you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 20. And Isaiah says something very, very similar. What we just read in Proverbs as we start to wind down here tonight. In Isaiah chapter 5, starting in verse 20, it says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light, and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, and shrewd in their own sight. So what is the definition of own eyes? What is the definition of own sight? Not doing things according to the authority of God's Making up what's good and bad, what's dark and light, what's bitter and sweet, according to me and what I think. And what is an amazing grace is we don't have to look inside of us to figure out what is good and evil, what is bitter and sweet, what is light or dark. We don't have to look in us. We can actually look to the Word of God that gives us those very things. Diotrephes did not have to be confused about how to live for the glory of God. But he was confused because he refused to submit to God. He refused to resist the devil. He refused to call good, good, and evil, evil, starting here and working his way out. See, the Christian has been called to start here and work his way out. Because in starting here, that is, I want to see how I have contributed to this Mass. See, Diotrephes needed to look here, but instead he was looking out here. He was assuming all the sin was here and very little to none was here. When in reality, the enjoying of Christ, the enjoying of being in a position like Diotrephes is in is starting here and working your way out. That is, for example, when I prepare a message for you guys, I don't start giving it to you, I start giving it to me. I wrestle through it. I think about it. I ask God to convict my heart. I ask God to change my life because I want to give you not just His Word, but what His Word does. I want you to experience what He is going to do in your life by testifying to what He has done in my life. And so the reason I can tell you that humility is awesome is because God is humbling me in my life. The reason I can tell you that pride is not just awful, but will lead to death, is because I've experienced that in my life. The reason I can tell you that calling something good evil and calling something evil good is detrimental, because I've been guilty of doing that before in my life. And I can tell you it is glorious calling what is good, good, which by the way is God and calling evil what is evil, which is, by the way, sin. And when I get that, and I want to call evil what is evil, and call good what is good, I'm on the road to not being like Diotrephes, and being like Gaius. And so tonight I encourage you, Christian, is there something we've dealt with here tonight in these accusations that maybe there's a flavor of in your life that you wish did not exist or did not wish was there if so i would encourage you to spend some business with god here tonight and if you don't know christ here tonight i would encourage you to repent of your sins to confess your sins say god i am a sinner i am humbling myself i am a sinner in need of your grace and i cry out to you for mercy i trust in the work of jesus christ the only means of salvation, I bow my knee to the supremacy of Christ and his work, knowing that there is not another name given under heaven in which men and women can be saved. And I trust in his perfect life, his atoning death, his victorious resurrection and ascension, and believe because of the work of Christ, I can be saved by trusting in it by faith. Tonight, confess Him as Lord. Believe in His work as being able to save. And you will receive His Spirit and be saved here tonight. And Christian, let the Word of God work in you what needs to be worked out of you and desire to put to death what is earthly in you for His glory and also enjoy His grace that is readily available for those moments when we don't. With that said, let us take a minute or so in prayer privately, just us and the Lord, and then I will pray us out. Let us pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the example of Gaius and we thank you for the example of Diotrephes. I pray, Father, that you would give us as your children the ability to walk according to your word. Lord, that you would bring to light when we sin and that we would enjoy your grace that has been given to us and that, Father, we would be motivated by the Spirit and by your word to put those things to death. Father, help us to submit to you so that we can resist the devil because he will flee under your power every time. Father, thank you for all you did here tonight and thank you for all you will continue to do. We pray us in Jesus' holy and mighty name. Amen. All right, guys. God bless. You are dismissed and we will see you on Sunday, Lord willing.